Yo, what's up? This is Joe from the Llama Lounge podcast, a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. If you are interested in listening to diverse conversations about all things life, learning, and leadership between leaders and experts in the military as well as across the civilian industry, follow the Llama Lounge on all podcast platforms and Llama Leadership on all social media outlets and visit our website at llamaleadership.com. New episodes post every Tuesday. We cannot wait to have you join us. In the meantime, be safe, stay healthy, and keep growing. Llamas out. Hi, I'm Kristen Joy of Voluptuous Life. I am a women's wellness and meditation coach, helping women to be full of themselves. And you are listening to The Shadows Podcast. All right, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of The Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Odenheimer, and very excited to have a graduate from NC State. But <laughs> other than that, uh, he's a high school coach. He's a uh, public speaker and author, Roger Pollard. Sir, welcome to The Shadows Podcast. Thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it, Trip. Oh, yeah. We, we've had some good conversation here before hitting the record button. Uh, for our listeners out there, tell them where you're located at. Right now I'm in Miami, Florida. I know you guys are jealous. Uh, the weather's great as usual. Uh, still, you know, uh, stepped away from coaching for a little bit, but um, still teaching and, and of course writing my motivational series. What, what topic do you teach or, or subjects do you teach? Uh, Social science, and throughout the years, I've been everywhere up and down the social science realm. So it's been world history, American history, government, economics. I really, really, really love my heart and home is in sociology and psychology. And now this year, I'm, I'm back into world history, which is um, which is really interesting. You know, uh, I just, you know, if you, you read a book that you haven't read in 10 years, there are some things that you pick up on. You're a different person. You know, I'm not the same exact person that I was 10 years ago. So uh, my 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 thing, one of my pillars in my third, my second book is like, look up history every now and then just to, to see it from a different perspective. And, and, and you're a different person reading the material that you're reading now. Yeah, I told you before you hit record, I'm very jealous of a lot of your accolades and what you're currently doing, one of which is teaching high school, which is something I want to do. And actually history is the, the topic world history topic. is what I want to teach. So yeah, for me, it's like every third or fourth book is some sort of history book that, that I have to read. Okay. But, but yeah, in Miami, do let me ask you this in Miami, do y'all have this thing called a uh, pollen? No, but <sighs> the first, the first time my freshman year, I woke up and I woke, I, I, I freaked out. I opened the door to go to class and I woke my roommate up and I pulled him out of bed. He's a big D tackle, Ricky Fowler. He's still up there in Raleigh. And I was like, look, somebody did somebody did something to everybody's cars. This yellow stuff is all over the place. Georgia Tech like, fans oh. got us. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And they were like, oh, that's pollen. Like, I've never seen that before in my life. So now I get all of the allergy commercials. You know, when we're down here in Miami, it's like, oh, okay. But now uh, I was like, oh, okay. So there really is an allergy season, you know? So. Yeah. I, I spent majority of my morning outside today, whether it was working on the yard or running and pollen has no, those allergy pills don't work for me. Those little 
10 milligram. And yep. it is absolutely throwing me up. So I'm very jealous of you uh, in regard <laughs> to that. But before we get started with your journey, we've got a couple of rapid fire questions that we're going to put you through here. Five rounds presented by Giant Worldwide. First question, one book that everybody should read. It's not one of your books because we'll get to those. Yeah. Right. What's your right. book recommendation? Um, oh, man. Um, I I really enjoyed Behave by Robert Sapolsky. Um, it just goes, actually, it's right here. Um, it goes into all of the, because I like I like the neuroscience behind the, the dopamine, the neurotransmitters, and all those other things. Mm-hmm. And it is, it just experiments and, and things of that nature. Again, I'm a sociology, psychology guy, so just talking about the trends of uh, populations. Once populations reach certain densities, certain trends start to take place. Um, so yeah, that that's like. I think for any 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 nerdy geek out there, and then anybody looking for kind of guidance, I love the, uh, the I'm a Jordan Peterson fan. So it's either one, the 12, uh, 12 Rules for Life, mm-hmm. I think that's powerful as well. Okay. Yeah, my wife, those books are right up her alley. She's getting her degree in psychology, so. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, you could have dinner for three, but those three individuals are no longer with us. Historical figures can be family members. Who would it be? Um, when I like Theodora uh, from the Byzantine Empire, she, uh, when when the king didn't want, like he wanted to run away, she, as a woman at that time, stood up in front of the royal council and uh, like got them to blow a set of balls, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd like to sit down with her, have a conversation with her. Um, ooh. Now I'm racking my brain now. Uh, probably Gandhi, you know, just hearing a lot of the things that, you know, he said. And then, uh, then I'll go to, I'll go to, uh, I'll go to Buddha, just to, if he is a real figure or, or Jesus, some historical religious figure yeah. that uh, I'll be able to say, yes, it's true. You know, I had a conversation with him. So gotcha. um, either one of those three. Okay. What is one thing you wish you had money to pay someone else to do? Uh, one thing, clean the cat litter every really? day. Get it oh, done. How many cats do you have? Two. They're two. New, a new two, two twin, two, like I think they're teenagers and they just, they wreak havoc, you know? So they, they get around and I'm just like, um, I'm, I'm getting, I got two, two seven-year-old twins, so I'm, I'm starting to try and get them trained to get that done. So, but I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll get that done. See, that's why I like dogs. You just open the door, they go outside. And they go and they're good. And come back in. Yep. Um, worst vacation memory. Worst vacation memory. Uh, I was, um, I went, I was in Spain. I had a, a Europe trip in seventh grade and I, I didn't use the safe. <laughs> so I got all my money stolen. Oh, uh, yeah, that sucked. What was that yeah. like, Barcelona? Or? We were in, um, I think it was in Madrid. Mm. We were in Madrid at that point in time. And uh, just, you know, we went somewhere for the day and I, I just put, I forgot how much it was. And, you know, I just put it in the drawer. And when I came back, you know, all of it was gone. And and I couldn't speak the language. It's, it's, that's it's the end of the world as an eighth grader. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, that, no, seventh grade is like over a hundred bucks. You know, that's that's that was that was a, maybe nowadays that's not big for a kid, but for me at that time it was like I lost my leg. It's a year's salary, parents. And, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. A lot of yards had to be cut for that. Yeah, you know. All right, and then last question for you. Former uh, football player, coach, what is your favorite body part to work? Uh, traps. Traps. I, I love I love traps as a as a player. I love to squat, but just to, to work out now, I you know I like shrugs, I like cleans, I like snatches. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those when I'm doing my trap work, all of those you know kind of suffice in, in, in getting that trap working. Okay. Well, you survived our five rounds. Like I said, presented is. by Giant Worldwide. Head over to giant.tv forward slash shadows. Check out their leadership seminar that they offer for free. Now, let's start diving into your journey. So tell our listeners about your upbringing. Roger Pollard as a child growing up. I got this right. Coral Gables? Yeah, went to Coral Gables Senior High School. Was an athlete all my life. Just my... I was a, I'm allergic to eggs, or I had a, a, a mild reaction to, or asthmatic symptoms when I was young. So my my parents, the the best thing you, that you can do for a kid who has asthma is, is get them active. So mm-hmm. that they threw me into sports. I think a year before I was even really supposed to be, and it was you know it's from football to track to baseball to soccer. You just year round, and then in high school, um, I lettered in uh, uh, basketball and, and football. Um, and then I ended up getting a, a, a football scholarship to North Carolina State, uh, lettered there for four years. I ended up coming back home and, and actually coaching at my alma mater with with my head coach for my that was my head coach my senior year. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was an interesting experience just to see truly see the game from the other side from the from the coaching side. Yeah. Um, you know, being in the office and then I'm at my school, so you know you're walking around and my eyes still see what a student sees, but Oh no, I can go and cut through here in the teacher's lounge or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Manny Diaz was my linebacker coach uh, for my last two years, and he was at Middle Tennessee State. So I think after three years of, of coaching high school and being a de- defensive coordinator, I went up and I was a graduate assistant at Middle Tennessee State, and really, really had to, got to see the ins and outs and the you know the it's it's what they're doing all day. You know, yeah. high school, you're, you're teaching for part of the day and then coaching. So really getting to delve into the behind the scenes about breaking down film, about, you know, w- watching film, how to watch, how to, how to plan and prep uh, pretty much. And then I came back and, and, and that's when I, I started to have aspirations to be a head coach and uh, went on a few interviews. And then my principal ended up making me the head coach at my alma mater. So uh, that was a, a pretty fun journey, you know, and, and we had some, really successful years, my first five, and then I took a break for a year, and then I had uh, some some trying years those last five, and then, uh, of course, now moving into the uh, writing of books and whatnot. Yeah, you talk about going full circle. Uh, when did you know that out of all the sports you played, because I saw that you played like basketball, soccer, football, when did you know that football was, was the one that you wanted to focus on the most? Uh, my sophomore year. Uh, I think I, I went to an FIU camp. Uh, I, always, I would always go to basketball camps over the summer. And uh, I think this was the first year where I really saw the lengths of these guys on the court. 
and you know I'm I'm six foot in a quarter, you know, somewhere so around a there. Point I, or a two. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't a point or a two. Um, and I just I said, you know what? It, it's time to kind of hone a little bit more into uh, this this football thing. But but either way, I was still even up till my junior year, I was just having fun, man. Yeah. I was just still being a kid. My my parents were. Cause I, I remember I tried to get a job because I'm, I'm, I'm in high school and I, I want to get a little bit of money. I have a car, gas money. And my parents were like, no, your job is education. You know, your your job is to play sports, have fun, and educate yourself right now. Because, you know, whenever you go off to work, you're going to work the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So really be full speed into that. If there's something that you really need, we'll get it. and And that's it. And, and you'll be fine, we'll be fine. So um, it really supported me and my brothers in that right where we didn't need, you know, of course, every kid wants, yeah, yeah. You know, but that, there's a differentiation between those two. Um, but uh, I, I want to say that that summer going into the FIU camp and everybody's freaking six forever uh, saying, mm, and then and then sitting, see, I sat courtside at a Miami Heat game and the length of these giraffes move like tv doesn't do it justice yeah. you know so yeah uh, all right well talk to us about the recruiting process what was that like recruiting is um it's crazy i don't think you can you can ever prepare people for it just because um you you just kind of don't know right and mm -hmm. and the, I, what i tell my kids in, in going through the recruiting process it's it's very, very hard to find out who's being genuine, like who genuinely really wants you. So um, for me, any notes for, for kids out there who might be listening is, I, I always give a, uh, a little bit more, and it, it, this isn't a, a, a hardcore rule, because again, there's no way to tell for sure, but anytime your position coach is recruiting you, like he's, you're the person that he's recruiting, um, I give that a leg up on 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 everything because he's coaching the position and he's saying like you're my guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, like if I'm coaching the quarterbacks and I give the nod to someone, but I I brought in what I see, I think that's you know it can get kind of tough. But of course, you know everybody's trying to win anyway, so it is what it is. Uh, but I think that's the that's the. Uh, that's the that's my number one gift from from just being at it from a from a coaching standpoint and from a, a player standpoint, but it is it's weird, right? You you um, between the phone calls, between the visits, between the conversations, especially at that age, where you're you're talking to grown men, uh, how many times a day, and and just trying to kind of figure out. Where do, where do you want to go the next four years of your life? And that is a huge decision where, I mean, look at the transfer portal in, in football right now. That's um, big. It's, 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 it's a game huge changer. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a recruiting changer. Yeah. High school kids aren't getting recruited the way they used to because of the transfer portal. So, um, it's, well, especially for the big time power fives. So uh, it's, it's interesting. It's hard. It's fun. Um, enjoy it you know enjoy it because that's the only time really as a male that people are going to be running around and chasing after you right yeah and so you ended up ultimately going to north carolina state uh right. second 
Wolfpack guests we've had on here compared to my one Tar Heel guest. So uh, State's got the leg up with the shadows as of this moment. But uh, what other schools did you consider outside of NC State? Um, it was uh, Naval Academy was was really big for me uh, simply because I, the when you graduate, you graduate as an officer. You have to stay yeah. on base for five years, but you're getting paid. You don't have to pay for housing. So I was kind of in between that. Uh, I really like Cincinnati, UCF, and Wake Forest. So those were the, those were the the big ones that that uh, that was going on. I was I was kind of in between Cincinnati because um, uh, I forgot the coach that recruited me, but my I really really loved my position coach who was my recruiting coach, but he at the last minute he ended up leaving, and then the the story with North Carolina State was Chuck Amato was always recruiting me at Florida State. And he, that, at the end of that season, he got the North Carolina State yeah. head coaching, you know, so then, yep. so then North Carolina State game, and I, it, it kind of, uh, it was kind of a hectic time because I played in an all-star game, so I lost the recruiting weekend. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I liked Riley, and, and I just said, you know what, why not, let's go. Best memory you have of Chuck Amato? The voice. I was just gonna say the voice. <laughs> you know, out of it's out of the voice or the chest, one of the two. But Coach Amato was, I, I will. This is burned into my memory. We're in the middle of of camp. We're in the middle of like the real two a days, not the two a days that they do here or now, where it's two a days back to back to back to back to back. And we're we're high, we're in like pre practice, and it is scorching, and everybody's under the tent complaining, and you know, he blows the whistle and he, and he gets everybody up and he gives a five minute speech and all of the complaining is done. Like everybody is ready to, you know, run through a wall. So he was like, coach, coach Amato, if, if you ever heard him talk anywhere, he, he's a motivator at, yeah. at the, at the core of it, you know, all the way from the M to the R. So, um, uh, that was one of them, you know, yeah. Chuck you the chest. Chuck, so you end up going to state. You signed with NC State, February seventh, two thousand. Uh, you were awesome recruiting class. Philip Rivers, yeah. In that class. well, that and I tell people, Philip Rivers was off. North Carolina State was the only place that offered him to play at QB. Everybody I'm wanted saying. him to play at a tight end or a hundred percent, and that's and I think that speaks to. Um, there is no one who can a hundred percent predict the future look at how much money the nfl draft puts into you know poking and prodding and and getting all of this deep and uh, all this information about somebody and you have a tom brady right or you have a first round kid who's a bust well even look at nc state they they didn't just get it right with philip rivers they got it right with russell wilson right a hundred percent you know so it it is it's an art form it's not a math equation. And uh, of course, there are things that will help you out. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we, there is no way that we can diminish what potential a human being has, no matter how much we investigate it. So you end up going to Raleigh, as you mentioned. You were there uh, 2008 and four, uh, which they ended up playing in Miami in the bowl game. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably had some family there for that. 
Um, yeah, and I I uh, I ended up. I think it was like the lot the day before the game. I ended up dislocating my kneecap, and so I, yeah, it sucked. And it was it was on a like a bullshit drill, just like you know, go through the backs and and you know throw the ball up and catch it. And I came down, and I mean, no, so much pain. I thought my I thought my knee was gone. It was just a dislocated kneecap, but um, that sucked. <laughs> yep, y'all won the Micron PC Bowl, beating Minnesota. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to us about like the because I've always read and heard from friends of mine who played college football about the bowl bowl game swag that you get from um, different and it it's it's I think it's a variable of of two things it's um, it's what bowl you go to and then it's also I I think I don't know I think it's the the, the coach like how do you how do they want to split up that money um, but you're always getting something whether whether it, and, it, and it matters who it's sponsored by. Yep, right. Yep. So um, you're, you're getting all kinds of, you know, shirts and bags and and, uh, and then just a random thing that you would never even think of, you know, watches. And then of course, the bowl rings. So the, it, it depends on 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 the bowl that you go to. But it's it's sweet. Do you have your bowl rings like displayed somewhere? Yeah, in my office. I yeah. was like, that, that would be pretty sweet. I would have them like framed and displayed. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is the next year. And I'm kind of curious about this. So 2001, I go seven and five. Um, but y'all were originally scheduled to play Ohio September 13th. And 9-11 happens. That game gets moved to the end of the year. Where were you when 9-11 transpired? And what do you remember about that time? I, um, I was in the atrium. Um, like getting food and I'm like, everybody's kind of talking cause I'm walking, I'm coming out of class and you know, everybody knows that that image is, is kind of ingrained in our brain. And I'm just like, what, what cartoon show is this? Like what movie is this is really what I was yeah. thinking the whole time. And then people were kind of panicked and, and, and then I was like, Oh shoot, that's, that's for real. You know? And then it was just, it was one of those, it's one of those things where, um, you kind of start, reality starts hitting you. Like we take so many things for granted on a day-to-day basis. And, and we're from uh, right there, I think for everybody, the, the earth kind of just slid out from under our feet. And now you start asking questions like, like as a, as a, as a college football player, I'm going on my sophomore year. Okay. I'm, I'm getting ready to eat, to go to practice. Are we going to have practice today? Are we going to play this week? Are we, you know, and now all of the, is, is there going to be classes? Is this it? Or is there are there more things that are going on and and a lot of information starts rolling out about the other attempts and uh, and all that stuff. It was scary. It was a crazy time, 100%. Because you and it's and it's the unknown, Mm -hmm. right? Like what what how many things are out there that are unknown, (laughs) infinite, and now for that unknown factor to be right there in our face as a nation was um, it was crazy. It was really crazy. I remember I went to a game the following because they, they canceled all games that Saturday. And then the following Saturday, I went to a game in Chapel Hill and they were playing East Carolina. And I remember being that big of a crowd in a stadium was, was scary. And was, yeah, a helicopter flew over and you could hear like a, a hush over the stadium when that happened because yeah. we were just on edge. But right. Yeah, it, it was definitely a scary time. And from there, y'all go to uh, 
Tangerine Bowl. Y'all lost to Pitt, but did you have you noticed like the trend about the the bowl games that you had during your career? Oh yeah, we just we we kept on. Uh, we had a lot of Miami guys, uh, you know, a lot of South Florida guys. So we um, we I thought like yeah, every one of our bowl games was everyone was in, in uh, Florida. Yeah, it was in Florida. 100%. Yeah, every single one of them. And then the following year, y'all come back. Y'all go eleven and three. What was it like when y'all were like number ten in the country and riding on nine and zero? Oh? Um, I think. Oh man, uh, I you know that my one of my best friends is Jonathan Vilma, and I'm looking at UM, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna end up playing in the national championship, and and I think we. Um, uh, we started thinking national championship and not thinking practice Monday, practice Tuesday, right? Like it, it doesn't, it's not about your product. It's about your process. Yeah. And uh, I think we went a little bit too much on product, you know, and whatnot. I think we, um, we blew Clemson out on a Thursday night game, ended up being like a lot to a little where it was really hyped up. It was in Death Valley. And, and we just, we just came out the gate on fire and I think we felt like that that won us the rest of our games. Right? I think mm-hmm. at that point we were nine and zero, and I think we dropped three out of the next four. To yeah, that's Georgia Tech, more. Maryland, and Virginia, and you beat Florida State. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's like the what kind of potential did we have? Well, you, you beat the you know you beat Florida State, you know, and and you went nine and zero in the first place, so you had that potential, and. You know, and, and that's also why you play the game. It doesn't yeah. matter what it says on paper. And the, the, the thing about the thing about championship teams is when championship teams play bad, they play bad well, right? Like they, they always put – they never play so bad that they're totally out of it so that when they do get their momentum back and, and, and momentum does get on their side, they can go and be what they are as, as a championship team. And I think we were just a little bit too complacent or, you know, whatever. And then look at, look at college athletics, look at college sports. There are so many momentum swings because that's, it's, it's a real thing, you know, yeah. being, being able to perform in those situations on a consistent basis is it's, 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 it's a talent, it's skill. It has to be honed. So you, you see these things on, on the college level a lot more than the, the professional level because um, it's just real and it's harder for a younger kid. Yeah, and y'all got momentum back. You ended, I mean, y'all ended the year strong. You beat Florida State and Notre Dame, which in 2002 were really, really good programs. And then your senior year, y'all went to Orlando and uh, beat Kansas in your bowl game. But that was the year where Phillip Rivers had his little coming out at Ohio State. and. Yeah. Y'all love some overtimes that year. Y'all had like three overtimes against yeah, Ohio State, yeah, yeah. three against think, Florida uh, State. And at Ohio State, the number one thing I, I'll never forget is I know I think it's a it's a big situation, and I'm trying to talk to somebody next to me on the sideline, um, and I couldn't hear myself. You know, like when you I, and it yeah. was that loud, or I'm yeah, I'm like, how the hell do they even know? How I you can't communicate. I'm talking. And I can't hear myself, yeah. so it, it was it was crazy. I bet that's a crazy atmosphere there for a football game. Oh, oh yeah, oh one hundred percent. And you know it going into it, you know. But y'all came so, back. Y'all came back on them. Y'all were down no, like twenty four nine or and, something. 
Yeah. Well, I think it was the, was it the year before or the, the year before my soft, I forgot what year we were, we were like the cardiac kids because uh, Coach Armada was like, we, we just always, we'll be down by 14 and then we end up coming back and winning. Mm-hmm. Always, it was always back and forth. We ever, we never really were able to just flat out dominate from start to finish. Yeah. So I think that was the year that we, uh, yeah, the year before that, our, our model was finish. Um, and then that next year was start to finish where we just wanted to play four quarter, just play to your potential. Yeah. You know, if you, you go in and you play the best that you can and you lose, you kind of, you know, you chalk that up, you get better. But when you're consistently not playing to your potential, that's, those are the things that kind of make you, you know, scratch your head as a coach and then also as a player. If you could go back in time to that early 2000s, obviously the transfer portal was not a thing back then like it is now. But if you could go back and that was an option and you could play a fifth year somewhere, where would you have transferred to? Uh, you're saying with the mentality I have now, I don't, I, I wouldn't transfer because I just feel like at the end of the day, um, the, the only way that you can grow is out of your comfort zone. Like, I, like we know this. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that too. Do you think that that's kind of a problem now is that guys don't get to a program and have time to develop? It's almost like they have people well, talking in their ears. Yeah, I think, I think, well, and it's, I think it's a microcosm of the problem that we see today where everybody wants something immediately. Instantaneous. It's, it's the immediate gratification problem. Yep. And uh, a lot of the times, and there are isolated incidences where it might be your coach or it might be this or it might be that, but 90% of the times the problem's in the mirror. And if you're never put in a, into a situation that will force you to grow, then you won't. Mm-hmm. And now, now you're after college, if you're not doing NFL, you're, you're going out into the world. And now these people are going out into the world and they have never faced these issues or challenges. So um, I think I, I don't, you know, I would the added like, the attitude that I have now is, of course, as an adult, um, I, I look myself in the mirror and I say, look, have you been really given your all in all facets, not just on the field, right? But at, in terms of um, sleeping right, eating right, uh, studying right, right? Have, firing on all cylinders where um, success, you are success on every single facet that you can look at yourself on. But if that time, I probably would have moved closer to home. Uh, I know UCF was heavy on me. I probably would have, you know, went back to uh, a little bit closer to home just because I think there's there's a lot of value in a little two-hour trip back home and, and, and hugging mom and hugging dad um, yeah. uh, where transportation wasn't as easily as it is now where there are a lot more flights and things of that nature, technology-wise. Um, so I, I probably would have... Um, came back and, and, and tried to find a home uh, at maybe UCF, I think, because they were recruiting me. Yeah, they were recruiting me in uh, my senior year. And just so that if there's, you know, if, if we get off in the in the off season, if we don't have to lift on Friday or maybe lift early on Friday and a, a trip from Miami to Orlando is three hours and then, you know, you're there and you're at home. Uh, yeah. dr- driving from North Carolina to to Miami is a little bit longer. You know, yeah, 100%, 100%. You go to Orlando and you feel like you're almost there, and it's like 
200 and some more miles till my yeah, end. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. It's, it's 11 more hours in the car, you know, so just 22 hours over the weekend. It's you, you, you're, you're spending a day driving versus six hours. You know, I've never been to Miami. I just need to go. I've had so many guests on here. Brandy Benson down in Miami. I've had so many like shadows guests who are in that area. So, yeah. All right. You graduate from state and you mentioned you go back and coach at your high school. That had to be a pretty cool moment. It was a, uh, it was a great moment. Uh, just, and also being with, cause my, the head coach that coached me my senior year, um, he only coached me my senior year. So I didn't really know him for all four years. Yeah. And, and coming back and being on the staff and just learning, just learning yeah. and soaking up football um, at that point was, it was, it was great. It was what? absolutely hands down great. So to kind of put like a, a closure on your senior year of high school and that first year back of coaching, throughout your time in Raleigh, throughout that journey what do you think when you got back and started you know you you actually had a whistle around your neck what do you think was the biggest thing you learned about yourself um well that was that was why i went into coaching i felt like my my uh my my attitude the way i approach things uh my attention to detail from my junior year to my senior year fell off mm-hmm. and i like i honestly say the work i put in as a high school player versus yeah. the work I put in as a college player, they don't even compare. Um, and, and that was the thing I, I was able to see both sides where like, yo, like how you think controls how you act and how you act controls what you get and, and falling into that trap of comfort, you know, falling into that trap of, Oh damn, like, this really does end, you know, and, 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 and being grateful and not taking things for granted, yeah. right? You, you can't be, you can't take something for, for granted and be grateful. And, you know, football is monotonous. Football is tough. Football is hard. So as those things start to wind on you and grind on you, um, you'll start to, you know, instead of really doing everything that you're supposed to, oh, I'll skip a workout here or, or, or I won't do a set here. So that was one of my things where I looked in the mirror and I was just like, no, and I wanted to be the difference for somebody where mm-hmm. like, look, I, I know how it is, I get you, but uh, when you're sitting on the couch after your senior year, you're gonna think about those reps that you didn't get, right? You, you can't get today, tomorrow, right? Like it, you, you always have to be in the now. And if you're, if you're feeling kind of tough, think about how you felt when you didn't have what you currently have. Yeah. So it's, 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 um, that was, that was one of my driving factors. That was one of my driving forces behind, uh, wanting to, to be a coach. You mentioned making others better. What do you think is the most rewarding thing that's happened to you since you've been coaching? Um, since I've been coaching, um, we were down, we went out. We went out and played a game against uh, Christopher Columbus. Really big team. They they won the state championship here. I want to say two years ago, but private school. You know, they got everything. And um, my first year, no, actually my second year, we dethroned them. Like they had beaten us like thirteen years in a row, wow. and we end up you know winning that game. 
And then we played them again in the playoffs and the team kind of took on that attitude of, oh, we beat them before. And we started the game off and it, it, um, it got postponed because of lightning, but it's, I think six minutes into the third quarter and we were down 24 to nothing, 24 to three. And we ended up coming back and winning that game on a 48 yard uh, uh, field goal. And to, to see the two different teams, to see the team that the night before was down 24 to nothing and then came out with like, you know, because they, they still made a choice, yeah. right? Like they, they could have said, oh, you know, ho-hum, shucks. But when a, when a group of people come together yeah. and they've made their mind up, I think it's, I, I, I won't say impossible, I'll say improbable to stop them. Yeah. But it's about getting everybody on the same page. It's about getting everybody to believe in, and, and give that effort as a group, as a core, as a team. And to, to see that, you know, transpire was, um, it was great. It was great. I'm, I'm all about coaching and teaching. And I've always, you know, find this stuff interesting, especially asking guests, explain to our audience the difference for you from coming back from, 24 down when you're playing at NC state and you know, get a win in Chapel Hill versus, you know, seeing your team come back from 24 down and getting a win over Christopher Columbus. Oh, I, um, I, I don't know if I can say that there's a difference, right? Like I, like my, my greatest factor is like, we're all different as human beings. Right. And you can have a teammate that you hate, but in that situation, if he if he catches a touchdown, all of that disappears. You yeah. have you don't care. So you don't in, in those situations, you don't care what your role is, where you are. The only thing that matters are the colors that you're wearing. Yeah. Right. Like the only thing that matters is um I am part of this team. Right. I I've I've um I've integrated myself with being a, a you know part of a wolf pack or being a cavalier and what the role is the role is that that doesn't matter you know so i used to tell i used to tell my players the kids that don't play on friday nights are the most important players because they have the biggest role in practice and they're practice players and if they take their role seriously those wins that we get are because of them but they can't just say oh i want you know i want to be the guy with the shine no, we all want to win. Everybody has to play their role. Everybody has to do their thing. Because if the sun wants to come out at night, <laughs> we don't have any nighttime. Everybody has a role. And if you play your role in those situations, you don't give two craps what you're, what, you know, where you are, what you're doing. I don't have to be the one, you know, throwing the touchdown pass or catching the touchdown pass. I've just got to be on the right sideline, yeah. you know, so, um, not nah, it's it's that's it, you know. I think now the biggest, I think the biggest difference comes with the lose. You know, when you lose as a player versus when they when we lose as a coach. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, but but in those comeback wins and in those comeback victories, everybody on the, and not even just on the sidelines. You know, I think I think that's why football is America's game because it touches so many people. You know, on a football team. Uh, between 
between the players, between their girlfriends, between all of their friends, between their, their parents and their, and their grandparents and cousins and uncles, when you're really rolling, you, you can change the attitude of community like that. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's what, that was my number one message that I was always trying to, to impart to the kids is they have, they literally have the power within their hands if they choose to, you know, walk, walk, talk, act, think, you know, the right way um, to, to do some real, to make some real change. I love the parallels of sports in real life. We were talking about that when we first connected and even watching like March Madness and seeing like these kids get defeated and they're crying and the, everyone's in tears and stuff. And it's like, this is going to make them stronger. This is going to make yeah. them, that moment hurts, but they're going to, they'll grow from it. Um, so you finish up coaching and you mentioned, uh, you know, you were a grad assistant at Middle Tennessee State for a little bit. And then you, uh, so you got your sociology degree and master's in sports management. So very well decorated. And then talk to us about 2017. You had a business venture. You mentioned Jonathan Vilma. What was that about? Uh, just, I, we had a, I had five good years back to back, probably two of those years we could have snuck up and, and ended up winning the state championship. And I kind of feel, felt like, you know, it's time to kind of move on and do something else. And um, uh, there was a restaurant that ended up opening up and, and I was like, hey, why not? So I, I ended up moving over and I was the operations manager for, for it was just, I didn't even make it a year. Um, the, the amount of turnover in the restaurant industry is just ridiculous. And it's yeah. from top to bottom. What I tell people, it's like, if it's like being a coach I, mean, I, I guess maybe in in college right now too. Every every year there's a coaching shuffle, but having a staff and every single year there's somebody on the staff or on the team. You know, I come from football where like we have practice. Everybody's at practice, <laughs> so it's there's there's that kind of longevity. But um, what what it was really good for me was being able to see all of the lessons that we were giving our kids really. They, they, yeah, they really do equate in the real world, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's like, I'm having the same talks as a, as an operational manager with my employees that I'm having as a football coach with my players, you know, show up on time. If you're going to miss, let somebody know where's your uniform, um, you know, set, set each up other for success. All of like, I mean, that's where we are saying there, there are a lot of, I think, I almost think life is sports yeah you know in terms of you win what, and lose what do you do what do you do when you build a community right you differentiate different things and everybody has a job and a role and a task and it's not about me winning it's about our community winning and us growing and flourishing and prospering and it's the same thing on the team right i don't want my linemen doing running back drills or thinking about what the running back is doing i don't want my quarterback in linebacker drills, you know, doing whatever, like everybody has a role and everybody has the same goal. And our team is built and founded on values. Our team isn't about labels. It's about what do we value as a team that makes us what we are. And it's the same thing as a, as a company, you know, and then you can even extract that more into as a person, 
What what makes you who you are? What makes you your label isn't your label. What makes you your label are the things that you value and they'll tell you what your label is. So, like that. Um, Life is sports. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Mm. That's good stuff. Well, talk to us about how COVID, COVID shook up everybody's world in March yeah. of 2020. What was going on in your life in March of 2020? And then how did COVID impact you and your family? Um, I've honestly got to say, and I know a lot of people, I, I feel shitty for, for saying it, but um, COVID was a great time for us. And a lot of people, a lot of people say that. Okay. Because I, I um, was with my kids every day. We, we, we bought one of those little rinky-dink backdoor pools. Yeah, and it was just like um, we went in. I, you know, I, as a coach, my mornings I'm up at at five. I'm I'm out of the house before they're up, and you know, sometimes especially in season, um, I'm getting home at nine ten o'clock. You know, mm-hmm. and then even when I'm home, I'm breaking down film or I'm doing whatever. So I didn't get that family time. And even like, I tell people, the football season doesn't start with the football season the football season starts in january when we start in the weight room so um what it was for me was just time with my family you know Mm -hmm. and 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 i never really had that you know as as you know my my kids were what they were five at the time that was something that we you know we'd have a day here or a day but to consistently okay get up all right we're gonna work on I think we were working on ABCs. They had to write down, you know, you know, I, I, <laughs> I used to role play with them. I'm not daddy. You call me Mr. Pollard, you know? So they'll be like, Oh daddy, no, Mr. Pollard, you know? And I'm, you know, just, just messing around and having fun. Yeah. And, um, that was, it was, it was extremely fun. You know, my, my, uh, then spending time with my wife and then we'll go up to her, uh, her mom's or my mother-in-law's and, kind of just do the same thing, you know, and just hang out and watch movies and talk. We watched the, we watched all of the Marvel movies, but in sequential order. Um, and, you know, kind of just also coming up with just stuff to do and, and whatnot. But uh, it was, it was a real fulfilling time in which there were no late night calls about such and such getting in trouble here or, or having mm-hmm. to worry about that or worry about this. It was just really just, a good time, good family time, great family time. I know what you mean by saying it's like I hate saying, but the way I've I've learned to just tell people is I'm like, look, it's unfortunate what happened, but in my personal life, right, it was great because it was it was yeah. good for me. I, I was able to right. start the the podcast. I was able to, you know, focus a lot more on my time, be more intentional, like you said, with yeah. family. My follow up question to that is. Best Marvel movie since you've watched all of them. I like um, what was the second to last one? Was it was it Infinity War? No, it wasn't Infinity War. I have I have. There's the second to last one where uh, Thanos wins. That one I thought hands down was the best one. But the battle scene of the last one where Iron Man ends up dying, all that, whatever. But so it's a it's a mix of those two. Yeah, I'm more of a, I like Ant Man, Doctor Strange. Those are kind of my. I, I like Doctor Strange. I 100 percent did. 
a million percent. But he was in, but he was in the second to last one. So it's kind of like I had a you like the all star. I really did like, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, that that new Doctor Strange movie looks really really good. I'm excited about that one. So from there, uh, something that I wanted to ask you about next is 2020. Actually, last year, uh, and I appreciate you opening up about this, but you had a moment there where you were reported missing for a little bit. So if you don't mind, just kind of talk to our audience about uh, that situation. Yeah, I I went through a major bout of depression. I think um, what I think it is, you know, who knows, was I was, I think I was really honestly in my heart done with football, but I don't, you know, not really listening to myself and just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And the things that were so grateful in COVID, uh, I started taking for granted, I guess. But then also, I wasn't spending as much time with my family and 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 just, you know, on a on just a regular day and on a whim, went out to 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 walk away, you know, and 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 not return. And something took place. Uh, I won't. I don't get into the details. What I what I tell people is. Um, symbols we use symbols we use symbols of representation and when we put those symbols in specific order they have words and those words signify ideas and we put those ideas in order they are telling the stories but those stories don't represent reality and i'm not going to try and tell a story that's not going to be a proper representation of a reality that i can articulate so i'll leave that to whoever the imagination that is but what it what it did for me in being able not to do what I was, you know, set out and planned to do was was come back. And then um, my 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 greatest thing that I learned from that is is we've we as people we've got to we've got to face that there ain't there's nothing in this world that's all good, right? And I think we have kind of a jaded view of reality. There is good and bad in every single situation, just like we were talking about with COVID. Like, oh, it was a horrible, but, you know, and I think there's always a but mm-hmm. to it. And, and what, what I, what, what it really caused me to do was, was one, be very, very intentional on, on every day, understanding what love is, where I think love isn't an emotion and love isn't a feel. It's not a feeling. It's, it is an, an energy that is consistent that we don't fall in love. We live in love and and not taking anything that I have for granted on a day-by-day basis. And, 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 and with that has catapulted me to really, really, especially because I, I don't shy away from that. I embrace it and integrate that. And the difference between my happy moment, like the, the, the absolute difference between those two points is, is so far that, um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to take this thing called life for granted again, but I, I, like, I hate that it happened. I hate, you know, having to sit down and talk to all of my friends, be able to talk, sit down and I had to talk with my mom, with my dad, with my wife, uh, who did a great job shielding my kids, you know, about it, which one day I'm, I'll eventually talk and go into depth yeah. about it with them. But um, uh, it, it was just a, it was, it's a surreal moment and it's something that I hate that happened, but love that happened seeing, you know, kind of the, the transformation, you know, and then uh, 
it led me to doing a lot of psychological research and, and you know, I really got into Carl Jung, who's like, in order for someone to reach heaven, the, their roots have got to reach down into hell. Well, yeah, I was in, I was in hell for a little bit. And, um, you know, luckily made it out and on the other side and, and um, had always said I wanted to write a book for my kids, teaching them um, my lessons that I've been going through in high school. And it was like, I will believe, if you believe something, that means you act it out. You can't say one thing and do another. You don't believe it. You're just lying to yourself, which I think it, that's the first person that we lie to. Um, so it's, it's forced me to, one, come up with my personal pledge, right? I think everybody knows what the Pledge of Allegiance is, but I ask you, what is your personal pledge? Like, how do you go through your day? Like, what are the things that make you you? You're not a label. A label is you. What do you value? And uh, just like I think the United States is a great country, they say, you pledge allegiance to the flag every day. Well, I love myself more than I love the United States. So what's my pledge to me? So, you know, coming up with those core foundational values that I believe in, that I think um, uh, help me personify like who I am and what I am and what I believe. And then, and then like, there are no more lies, you know, and I'm, the last thing I'm going to ever do is, is lie to myself, which you know, sometimes that leads to some hard conversations with the wife, but um, uh, we've even said and we've we've affirmed because it doesn't just go like way like that. Um, that our relationship and where we are is so much stronger, and there are conversations that we can have and navigate those with so much ease. Specifically because of you know the distance between um, you know where we are and where we've been. I really do appreciate you opening up about that. We talked about it before we came on but you saying you know you, you hate that that happened but think about like how many people you can help now being through yeah 100 like i never write these i'm i never i'm never an author or or i don't you know because i'm a little bit of as a coach you know i'm a little bit more of an introvert in certain areas and, and aspects yeah. especially when talking about me so um it's it um it's a catalyst for something for me. Um, and you know, I hate it and love it. It's a love hate kind of uh, yeah. thing. But, but, uh, like you said, like if, if there's one person that hears it and, and kind of shakes their head, yes. And kind of understands, uh, what it is. And, and, and like I say, for, for anybody thinking about it, look, there's, there's more people in the earth than on the earth. And if you were to ask any one of those people to trade places with you, they would in a heartbeat. Like you're gonna go there one day. It's, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care who how much money you make. I don't care how bad it is. There's somebody who will take your place. So um, you know, fight through it and see the greatness that that we are, that you are, that a single day is. Sit down, sit down on nature in nature and just like appreciate. You know, be grateful for what we've got. But but I also understand you can be surrounded by a room full of people and still feel alone. So. It's a personal journey. Well, you're probably a really good person to ask this, especially with your sociology degree and dealing with high school kids. What what's the like what advice would you have for a parent whose kids are in high school? And I mean, social media, they feel like they have to compare themselves to what the person next to them is doing. And uh, I mean, just oh my gosh, it is Ooh, that's so much the, a different um, time than when we were growing up. 
that's the big one. And I'm like, what I'm looking for, and I'm like getting into the psychology behind it. Our serotonin levels are based on how we compare ourselves to other people. And what I asked my, what I told my students the other day was, you got to really, because your brain doesn't know the difference between future, past, and present. Your brain doesn't know the difference between fake and not fake. So between all of the faces you see on TV that have makeup on them, between all of the filtered uh, social media posts that you see, mm-hmm. be- between all of the magazine artists and all that stuff, you're looking at all of these things and your, your brain and your serotonin levels are based off of something that is fake. Um, for, for me, and really this is what my book is about, uh, like I, I, <laughs> I made it the, the book that everybody should read, but what it's about is find out who you are. And it's, it's again, that concept where I'm saying, look, stop, stop worrying about labels. Forget about labels, especially for high school kids. Figure out why you like something. Do you like something because it's something that's coming from your family? Do you like something because your friends are, do you like something because you keep on scrolling and seeing it? And take a, take a lesson from McDonald's. Like if I ask you, what are some of the greatest fast food restaurants right now in the United States? You know, you can say McDonald's or Burger King or Pizza. Well, do they advertise? Do they ever? Yeah, they advertise, but they're number one. So that means what you put in front of your eyes and what you put in your ears makes a difference. If it didn't make a difference, they wouldn't spend millions of dollars. How much does it cost for an ad in the Super Bowl? It costs millions of dollars yeah. to get in front of your eyes. You have the power to put the information that will help you in front of your eyes and in your ears, but we take those things for granted. You know, and I'm, I understand their kids and this and that. But my thing for parents is um, don't like belief. If you believe something, if you love something and love is sacrifice, then then that's got to be intentional time. You've got to have intentional time where you've got to pour in and not only just, you know, lecturing and things of that nature, but go on and it doesn't have, go on a family walk. How much does that cost? You know, and, and uh, just do little things and little activities in in fostering what what our bodies have been doing for millions of years that we're moving away because we think we know everything we're moving away from our dna that's what i that's how i term it you know our our whole existence has been about community and family and and hanging out and fellowshipping and we're moving everything like how much time do you spend on social media versus what you believe in I'm not telling you what to believe. You can believe in Buddha. You can believe in God. You can believe in nothing. Say you're an atheist. That means mm-hmm. you believe in nature. How much time do you spend in nature versus watching TV? You know, and what what you believe is be live. Belief. Be life. It's what you do. So don't judge yourself off of what you say. Judge yourself off of what you do. And my deep dive into that is what you say comes from one part of your brain and what you do comes from another part of your brain. So you cannot, you're not, your brain's not going to realize the difference because they originate from two different places. You have got like, we are the bird. We are our own burden. We have got to say, okay, if I believe this and I'm acting this way, I have got to fix this. The first person I lied to is myself. So, um, sitting down and having conversations and not only conversations, but really fellowshipping and really, going out and having fun and putting the phone downs and, and setting a phone limit kind of just like, look, after eight o'clock, all the phones are right here. It is what it is because yeah. who we are as people from a sociological standpoint is family is the first thing. 
It's the most important. So if family is the most important, give me your phone. All right. We're just going to sit here and do whatever. We're going to have no phone time. It's, if it's your, like, stop trying to be your kid's friend. They, they're supposed to hate you at times at that age. Oh, yeah. right? It's supposed to run in their room. I ain't doing that. Susan Bodenheimer was not my favorite person a lot of times. Uh, a million percent. And I think, I think kids haven't changed. I think we as adults have changed because my, my parents had no problem with being a total asshole, but I, my first football meeting ever, I thanked them for it. So, um, so that's it. I think you just, you, you have to be the champ, but you can't tell them no phone, but you on your phone, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like be the champ. Like if you believe it, if you really understand it, if you really, you know, Hey, then you got to do it. But, um, to, besides the point or not in that point the uh the information is clear cut like if we're our superpower as a human being is the ability to focus and we know for a fact sitting there scrolling on our screens and all that stuff it's causing our brain to lose that ability so yeah i'm a hundred percent fan of just pull the phone and have family time for an hour a night or, or whatever but be intentional and deliberate about building something other than that time. And I believe you'll be able to see a difference. Yeah. I I love everything you just said. And it kind of reminds me of something I've been telling a lot of people and I actually tested it on a couple of dads recently, but I said screen time versus FaceTime. And like I I told him, I said, how many, you know, I said, just think about how many hours do you think you spend on your phone? And I said, don't answer Just think to yourself. Don't like you said, don't lie to yourself. Yeah. And then I said, all right, now how much time do you spend like phones down? Like every second you're on your phone talking to someone that doesn't count, like undivided attention face to face like this with somebody. And I said, go home tonight, see what wins phone or the FaceTime with people. And uh, they came back the next day and both of them was two dads. Both of them said um, one, one said he spent 42 minutes with his family. And the other said he spent like 38. He's like, if I were to count up, it was like 38. But they spent hours on their phones. Yeah. And, and they and it's always a reason. It's like, well, I was on my phone because of this or this or this or this. But there, there's not right. a more important reason than the, the people sitting on the couch next to you at the dinner table. So and that's it. I think we're 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 consistently in contact. Like what we've built is great. I love sitting in here in the AC. Mm-hmm. I've never had to, to ride out a hurricane outdoors. So I love what we've built, but what we've built isn't everything, yeah. you know, and, and, and in that just like be intent, like if I want to lose weight, I have to be intentional about how I eat. Yes. If I like really care about studying for this test or, or making good grades, I have to be intentional about how I study. Well, if you really care about how you, you know, uh, grow your family and the time and, and the people that you love and love is sacrifice, Putting your phone down, it's, it's a sacrifice. Okay, well, let's affirm that. And hey, phone's off at seven o'clock, whatever. And it's, you're included in that as well. And that's, if they got to sacrifice, you got to sacrifice. So be the change you wish to see in your children. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. Well, next up, talk to us about your books. You've got motivational book. You've got a football book. Like, talk to us about yeah. all the books they can go check out that you have. Okay, I um, I started well. What I what I did as a as 
uh, yeah, as a head coach, what I wanted to do is I didn't want to focus on the kids that were college football players. I wanted to focus on every single individual. So what I said was, if I build better men, I build better people. So what that drove me to do was, on a daily basis, I was listening to something in terms of motivation. Because every morning we started off with, we had a morning sign-in before school, and I wanted to start their day off with something to kind of just wake them up or, or get them going. And, and then, you know, your little announcements, hey, we're in we're in helmets today, we're in full pads or whatever, or this week we're doing this, but every day was a motivational quote. And what I what I started to do was every time a quote or, or somebody was speaking and it resonated with me, I would write it down on a sheet for my kids. And um, and that's the this first book. And and what I what I believe the the education system is doing is the education system is giving is passing on the information that we have accumulated in order to build what we see surrounded by us today because no person in history um lives forever we've it's a continual basis where we're continually pulling the things with us from the past as we forge into the future um and that's what the education system is like you have to learn a squared plus b squared equals c squared because one day we're going to need a, a, a physician or, or a physicist here or there so that the society can keep on growing. But with that, we is only a bunch of eyes. And I don't know if we've spent enough time on the individual. So the, the first motivational series in the book was really based off of my concept in building players or, or building a football team was let's tell the individual person, like, what are you? And you can't diminish a human being into you know, words, but we are common, like we're distinct, but we're also, uh, we're also the same, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a kind of the love hate thing. So um, from a sociological standpoint, you know, those five agents of socialization, socialization, which is faith, family, friends, mass media and education, we're in that book, I'm talking about like, uh, going into to mass media and its effects and what we know from different studies. And then from, a, and that's kind of the nurture standpoint. And then from a psychological standpoint, where are we? And that, I went into the big five personality traits where we're, we're a mix of uh, conscientiousness, agreeableness, neuroticism, uh, openness, and extroversion. And it's it's not to tell you like, oh, this is what you are, but it's to identify it. Like I, I, I tell people, the first thing that God does in the Bible is he names things. Right. The first thing he does with the animals is he brings Adam over and he names each one mm -hmm. because things aren't real until you name them. Right. So name these things and then talk about temperament and, and the importance of goal setting and some of the some of the information of just giving them this information. And these are the things that are going to help you. But uh, but it's an informational book. So at the end of that, uh, I was like, well, let me uh, let me give people uh, kind of my my meditation on how we need to move forward. Like what's going to happen tomorrow? I have absolutely no idea. What's going to happen the day after that or 10 years after that? I have absolutely no idea. So we can't plan out every single scenario. So I think your, our values have got to be based off of virtues and the virtues I came up with was because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I courage is my ability to move forward, knowing both the good and the bad. I think we only want to look at the good and not the bad. We've got, like, if I take the game winning shot, I got to know that I'll also miss it and have courage to take it. So under courage, I only have this one body. I've always had this one body since I've been small. It's about um, being intentional about how you eat, 
how you sleep and how you exercise. So, you know, the things that we know about exercise and everybody wakes up with an alarm clock, but they don't put an alarm clock to go to bed. Like the studies that have, and, and www world wide web there is info just look up there's a there's a video of matt walker ted talk it's 20 minutes of your life finding out what we know about sleep sleep is linked to cancer sleep so is underrated linked to obesity and sleep and and it's and because we know it all but anyway uh courage how you move forward into the future love you know my willingness to sacrifice for who i am now for who i will be right? It's not about that immediate gratification. Love, I put artistic creation because our brains speak to us in, in languages other than just words. Go out and paint something. Go out and dance. Go out and, you know, just move around and and, and, and try and create something artistically. Um, uh, study and scholarship. Study history from an objective point of view. Don't just study who won. Study the other side as well. Mm -hmm. And then study psychology. What are we finding out with these new technologies that are coming out that can measure things that we couldn't measure before. We're finding out a lot of things about the human brain. We're finding out a lot of things about the human body. You know, well, where is your brain, right? Oh, it's in your head. No, the majority of your brain is in your body. You know, so, but, and then spiritual connection. Connect whatever you believe in. I don't want to get, I don't, well, I'm not getting into where you should go, whatever you believe in. Do you spend more time meditating and connecting with that do you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or watching the housewives or whatever, you know? So, um, and then the third one is discipline. Use the, use the lessons from the past, right? That you just do what you're, do what you know you're supposed to and don't do what you know you're not supposed to. Very simple. And those three pillars are work. We have to, like what we've built in society I would not, we, we discovered fire 1.5 million years ago. I don't want to live in those times. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be there. So you've, you've got you've to be reciprocal in that relationship. So it's work, it's relationships. You have to be intentional and deliberate about each relationship that you have. Every relationship is reciprocal in, that, um, in the sense that I'm sitting down in this chair, but it's giving me some rest, but it might also give me some lower back pain because... You know, I might be sitting still too long. Like everything has a relationship and it's reciprocal in nature. And then personal development. I'm not who I was when I was two years old. When I was two years old, I had a diaper on, I was pissing and crapping myself. You're not that person now. Okay, so you know that you grow. Be intentional about your growth. Mm -hmm. What is something when you look into the mirror that you say, you know what, I would like to learn that. Well, learn it. Go to YouTube and say how to, and look at videos and and, 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 and build that. And then, uh, so those are the, uh, those are the core virtues that I, that I came up with. And, and then an interesting thing came up with when you put three triangles together, you get a fourth one. And that is, um, I call it reality, which is be intentional and deliberate about the things that you want. You know, if you say, oh my gosh, my kids are, they're on the team. Okay. Be intentional and deliberate, right? Like you're going to cut it down seven o'clock. This is what's going to happen. What we started doing as a family was we have little, um, I, I have them just read a page of the book. You know, my kids are seven, so it's a book that's above their level. So they read it, but now, okay, close the book. Tell me what you think. There are no wrong answers, but it's just having that communication time. Well, that's yeah. our intentional time. Um, how do you build habits? How do you build habits? 
You know, there are specific ways in which you can build habits. And then the last one is because you're not going to get everything right. Reflect, go into the mirror, look into the mirror and be real. Don't like, eh. and I understand that the first person that we lie to is ourselves, but once we're intentional about not doing it, then the last person that you would lie to is yourself. So that's my, um, that's my second one in terms of directive. And then my third one, which I'm working on now is a, a play on kind of the origin story. Like why is it courage, love and discipline and really tracing those things. And, and it's, a, it's more philosophical and, and, and gets kind of, gets kind of deep at times. And then, um, what I did before I met, I, I, I started the motivational series before I did the football books because football is just, I'll do football in my sleep. I wrote a defensive court coordinator's guide to, uh, to building a championship defense and then a, a head football coach, like what should you be thinking? So I go over recruiting, I go over and I just give, I like this, this, it was my goodbye to football, so mm -hmm. to speak. So it was, it was uh, you know, this is what I know about, uh, and it's not X's and O's. This is what I know about uh, building defenses. This is what I know about, you know, head coach and how you want to plan and delegate and just put everything in there. And I just now finished my uh, one on linebackers that I'll be publishing any day now. And, um, and then that's it. You know, I, I, uh, so I'm finishing, I want to finish this third one. Uh, I'm not releasing the second out of the motivational series for a while, just because I want to, continually talk about it and, and, and kind of inform people about it, uh, especially with it being my first book. And then, um, and then that's it, you know, uh, starting up a little website, motive and motivation.com and, uh, and rolling from there. Yeah. A lot to unpack based off what you just said. First, Matthew Walker, you talked about that video, uh, actually wrote why we sleep, which yeah. I recommend that book to anybody out there. Uh, cause sleeping mm -hmm. is super underrated. I love what you're doing with the intentional time. Uh, I talked to you about writing a book and I'm 100% accidental with it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it later where I love how intentional you are with not just writing a book, you're writing books and you're making your kids have that intentional time. I think that's awesome. And then talk to us a little bit more about your website that you mentioned. Uh, well, what I, what I wanted to do was like, why would you buy my book, right? Football coach, like what's going on? And why would you buy any book? So I was like, the, the, where we are, where information used to be so hard to get, I think we're in information overload. And, um, and because of that, what I, I decided to do was, um, I wanted to put information about the book, my books, you know? So uh, kind of explain to people um, what it's about and then, also on there, any podcast or anything that I do, just so that people can hear and, and listen to something other than boom, boom, boom on their way to work or, or while you're jogging, just being able to get some, some good information or some good videos or motivational videos or whatnot and what, what, I'm, what I was trying to build. And then um, I, I put a little short form podcast on there as well. Like I do, I do like a little seven minute blurb on, on different definitions because I, I really feel like mm -hmm. we as human beings use words but the word how you're saying what love is isn't what I'm saying what love is but we say oh yeah love and I love like I ask my students all the time all of you love your mom tell me what love means right or I hope this will tell me what hope means so just 
little dissertation, little seven minute meditations on, on different topics. And I, I want to kind of make that interactive. I'm trying to push yeah. people to that. And then they just, they can put in a question really for a lot of my students. Um, and then I'll just, I'll answer it, you know? And, and like I said, nothing long form, just like max for me is seven minutes and just somewhere that people can go if they feel like they just need a little uplift somewhere and, and, and hear some words and, and kind of just know where everything kind of is. And, and then my, my last thing really on that is my, um, my merchandise in terms of uh, my, my number one shirt is be life because I believe people say believe, but believe isn't something that you say, you know, believe is something that you do. And, and just to have something as a reminder, especially early on where it, it may be hard or you, when you, when, when you look at it, right? McDonald's is, is advertising to you. How are some ways, what are some ways in which you can advertise something to yourself, especially if you read it and you like it or you listen and you, and you, and you really, you really want to make that change because that's what growth is, right? Growth is cutting off, you know, cutting something off, cutting someone else off, cutting some parts of you off that you think that you believe that you have outgrown. Um, and that's what I believe like education is, right? We, we like to be entertained more than educated because when I entertain myself, it doesn't challenge anything. But when I learn something new, there's something old in me that I have to let go of. And some of those parts might've been with you for all of your life. Right. When you're two years old, you've been pooping yourself all your life. When you learn how to use the bathroom, you have to cut that part of you off in order to know, oh, I got to pee. Now I got to, you know, cold, but, you know, wash my hand, all of that stuff. You've learned something new. So now you don't act the same way. And that's the same thing where I'm, I think and that's why I'm trying to push more people. If you learn something and you believe it, that means you've changed. And that could be that could be painful. A hundred percent. That could be painful. But um, but if you can face it and conquer it, uh, it's just like it's the story of the phoenix, right? No one sets the phoenix on fire. The phoenix sets itself on fire and then it's born anew. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you believe it and you like it, then you then you live it and you move and you and you grow on and you and that's a continual thing that 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 never ends. Yeah, I love what you said about the short podcast. I uh, like I, I was talking to someone not too long ago and I said everybody you can ask 7,000 people to define leadership and you're going to get 7,000 different definitions and 100%. even when you know like a word like uh you know I love asking someone like define diversity but you can't use different like how mm-hmm. would you define it and uh so I, I love what you're doing with that I love the, the website looks good it's a good looking website I was, thought you're going to get out of here and not mention your your merch over there but yeah you got some yeah. shirts and stuff <laughs> For listeners, definitely go check out. One more time, where can they go find it? They can find it at www.motiveinmotivation.com. So what I'm, what I don't want to be the raw raw guy. I want to be more of the like what happens physiologically. So a good example is motivation. All right, how do you? What happens in your brain when you're motivated? Your motivation takes place in four different you know spots at the same time. It's the orbital lobe. It's your prefrontal, it's two parts of the prefrontal cortex, the lateral uh, frontal cortex and the orbital lobe and the basal ganglia and the amygdala. So, you know, what do those four things tell you? That means or orbital lobe, 
you've got to like when you envision it like if i tell you like i'm scratching my nails on a on a uh, on a chalkboard you can kind of shrill a little bit that's your orbital lobe your lateral uh prefrontal cortex is the thing that you use to reason so you can't lie to yourself and say oh i'm just going to make a coffee and that's going to motivate me no nah, your prefrontal your your lateral lobe you know it's not nah, that's not not a challenge your basal ganglia is go or no go and then your amygdala is fearful like in order for something to motivate you you've got to be a little scared about it and that's when those four things take place that's how you get motivated um so like kind of going into the research behind it like writing down your goal every day puts you 42 percent more likely to achieve your goal right just by writing it down um so the, like kind of moving more into um the facts behind yeah. behind certain things, the motive behind what what causes the action. You talk about good motivation, right? When you go to your website, you got you and the kids right there. Um, so, final thing for you is, what do you want your legacy to be fifty years from now? When your kids, your grandkids mention you, what do you want them to say about you? Uh. Mm. let's throw students in there too you got students and players students play well one is that i was number one thing is that i was genuine right like when i what i tell people and what i told my kids uh what i've told my players for for years is i give you all of me when i show up to class like it's this is this is what we're doing like i'm here to educate you i'm not here to be your friend i'm not here you know i'm not an asshole, not all of the time, <laughs> but I'll joke with you. I'll play with you, but I will, I want you to be the best you that you will be. And I will never be able to get you there if you're not willing to take the steps as well. Like I can be the best teacher in the world, but if you're not willing to give the effort, if you're not willing to be honest with yourself, it doesn't matter. You can have Bill Belichick coaching this football team. You can have, uh, I don't know, the best professor in the world teaching this class if the kids themselves don't take that personal responsibility on. So um, I think it's in seeing in seeing my example in terms of being genuine in that nature, because uh, we emulate what we imitate what we emulate, um, providing that source and that that guide for, you know, somebody because I, I say I'm, you're not going to reach everybody. You're not God. You know, you always like I teach each one of my periods, 30 kids to really inspire one. And I'm giving that one kid all of that energy. I'm giving that one kid all of that inspiration. I'm giving that one kid all of that motivation. Uh, and and really that's that's it being genuine and being like a, an inspirational kind of motivational concept. You said something that really struck me is that even teaching new instructors one of the things that throws us off the most and I find myself guilty of it and I've been teaching for five years now is I have a room full of 16 people 15 get it and one doesn't I find myself trying to get through to that one but like you said as long as you're reaching that as long as you're reaching one if you're reaching 15 right. then you, you, you're doing your job um, you're not going to reach everybody yeah, that's really right. good advice right and it's and it's it is hard. It does suck. But then yeah. we also know that everybody's not the same. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So maybe that person, you know, like 
are they really locked in? Are they really paying attention? Or do they know how they learn, mm-hmm. right? But are they self-aware about how they learn? Because I, um, like I used to give Motivational Monday talks when I first started as a teacher. And um, what I was, I was going over the statistics behind uh, the difference in uh, intelligence, intelligence levels uh, by the age of three, you could see a difference in the intelligence levels of the kids, uh, mm-hmm. and what what they were what they were breaking down was a play on in the in the rich class. Uh, babies hear like one hundred and fifty thousand more positive words a year, or maybe no, three hundred and fifty thousand more positive words a year. Where in a poor class, it was one hundred and fifty thousand more negative words. So I was like, okay, I get it you know, based off of your social class, you might not be performing at a certain level, blah, 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 blah. But I don't teach younger kids. I teach high school kids. And you know, like, how many of you guys want to go to college? Everybody raise their hand. Well, I'm like, how many of you guys, and I'll teach your ninth graders, how many of you guys are studying for your SAT? I don't have to take the SAT until my junior year. I was like, that doesn't matter. If you're studying right now for the SAT, by the time you're a junior, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to, it doesn't matter if you're living on the metro rail. Right, you're you're homeless. The only place you eat is school, and you study every day. You work your butt off, and you graduate with a 4.0 on a perfect score on the SAT. It doesn't matter how much money you have because you're gonna get it for free. Four years later, when I when I came back to get the head coaching job, there was a letter on my desk. There was some random girl. I don't even know who she was. She wrote a letter like she was homeless at the time. She listened to that motivational Monday. And she got a full scholarship to Columbia and she was graduating soon and she just wanted to thank me. I inspired her, whatever. That's why I'm like, I only teach for the one because I told that story to the 30, you know, the whole class, but it only really sunk in with one person, Mm. you know? So it's just like the, the, you know, you got to differentiate it and maybe it's another speech for another kid another day or whatnot, but uh, the, the the greatest the greatest thing is is when when you make that massive amount of change. Yeah. Um, you know it, it it's it's heartfelt. It's heartwarming. You know. So. What a, what a good story to to wrap this up with, and what an incredible journey you've had. Um, I have the utmost respect for educators. I told you very envious of your journey um, between the the football career, the the coaching, the teaching being an author you've basically checked all the boxes that i want to check in my life or i never got a chance to um but i can't thank you enough for taking time to be a guest here on uh, the shadows podcast what final comments you got for our listeners well what i say is i I, i'm I'm continually my number one is don't you, you can't get today tomorrow right but i say wish upon a star when i say wish upon a star the the definition of sin is to miss the mark. It's an archery term. So what I say is if you have a bow and arrow or if you have a bow, if you're gonna connect that bowstring, you connect it to the positive stuff and the negative stuff. If you go from zero to positive, that bow, that arrow can't reach a star. But if you take it down to the negative as well, that bowstring is gonna be tight and you can aim that at a star. And even if you don't hit a star, you can land on the moon and still look down at everybody on earth. So continually strive to be great. You're, we're never going to, you know, we're, we're never going to be great. Right. Um, but we'll always be a little bit better 
than what we were. Yeah. And heaven is the place where we get perfect at becoming better, not the place where we're perfect. I'll say that again. Heaven is the place where we get perfect at becoming better. Why can't we bring heaven down here on a day-to-day -day basis? Be content, be intentional and deliberate about the things that you want to get out of your day on a daily basis, and the rest will take care of itself. I like it. That's a very positive way to wrap things up, folks. That'll conclude this episode of the Shadows Podcast. Hey, Shadows listeners. If you're looking to make some extra income that also impacts people, then you need to look at becoming a certified leadership coach with Giant. If you don't already know, Giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years. I got certified through Giant in 2018, and I've been teaching ever since. Just to give you some context, they used to own and operate the John Maxwell brands. They ran the LeaderCast conferences where Jim Collins, Henry Cloud, Malcolm Gladwell, and Simon Sinek, just to name a few, were regular speakers. They have over 500 coaches worldwide, working in over 127 countries, and are being hired by companies like Google, Chick-fil-A, Pfizer, Delta, and more. And yes, you can do this too. I know this might sound intimidating, but Giant will literally give you everything you need to start your own coaching business from scratch. You get hands-on training from top-level coaches to learn the exact methodology and tools that six-figure coaches are using. You get an all-in-one online platform to run your entire coaching business, even if you wanna work 100% remotely. And you'll get to join a thriving community of coaches from all around the world. To get started, Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn the ins and outs of how to build a successful coaching business. This is both for experienced coaches, consultants, and those who are looking to start coaching and consulting with little to no experience. If you wanna hear the really good news, this whole workshop, it's free, 100% free. And you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv forward slash shadows. Why not give it a shot? What's better than making a positive change in people's lives and making some extra money in the process? Giant launches a new hiring cohort every month. Now, they only have 20 coaching slots available each month, so it's first come, first serve. So go ahead and make sure you reserve your spot. If you're ready to make an impact and get paid doing it, go to giant.tv forward slash shadows, giant.tv forward slash shadows.